0: If you're ready to confront your destiny, if this is the moment that you've been praying for, tune in and listen to your cosmic cheerleader, Commander Lady Athena, for Cosmic Pep Talks, for Closet Christ. The show is the voice of the Ashtar Command. The call is for you to step forward into your greatness. Be listening on Wednesday. We have an appointment with destiny. Greetings in that supreme love that we are each an embodiment of. I'm Commander Lady Athena, and you're listening to the voice of the Ashtar Command, Cosmic Pep Talks for Closet Christs. This evening, our seminar topic is, Why are you on Earth? <laughs> Why are you on Earth? Good question, huh? So, if you're ready... Let's come present together. Let's take a deep cleansing breath and release it. And to give yourself the very best advantage, why don't you ask for the clearing for yourself, that any energies that you have brought up to this moment that no longer serve you, that they could just be released through grace. And we best do that with a breath. Deep breath, and now breathe in the spirit of life, and know that that life is the supreme spirit. That is the love in which we live and move and have our eternal existence. It fills us and we are conduits of it. There is nowhere and no place that you are not in that field of unified oneness and loving. It is that very energy that sustains us. It is that energy that completes and fulfills us. It is that energy that we all seek more of. And the way to get more of it (laughs) is to be one in sync with it. So let's breathe in again. I like to use the word God, but if you prefer to use the word life, go for it. Take a deep breath and breathe in God. And exhale, love. Breathe in God. And exhale, love. Breathe in God. And exhale, love. Doesn't that feel wonderful? Remember, always ask, spirit, the universe, life, God, whatever you want to call it, for what you need. Tell that unified field of love More energy, more strength, more faith, more stamina, more equanimity, relief from pain, relief from feelings of upset, whatever it is that keeps you off center and out of alignment with the love that you are, the love that is to stop and take a deep breath with attention and receive whatever it is that you need. There's a way of living that is so constantly connected that there's really no excuse for allowing yourself to get out of alignment. I mean, we all do. We all do, the pressures of life sometimes are upon us before we realize that we've lost touch with who we are and what we're all about. So why are you on earth? You know, I think that's a question that uh, probably would stop all of us in our tracks, including me, because so many things would come to my mind And they're probably not really the reason why I'm on earth. And it's probably the same with you. Now, if anyone asked us why are you living where you're living or why are you doing the job you're doing or why have you chosen this particular career, you'd have an answer, wouldn't you? But someone coming up and saying, why are you on earth? And yet it's the most important question i think we could possibly answer for ourselves i know whenever i have to do a press release or a uh, you know a bio a biographical snippet for some publication i never know what to say about myself i'm just at a loss for words i can do a great job with anybody else but myself uh, can't quite put it in words And I think that's true of all of us because we're so vast. We're so multidimensional, multifaceted, multi-gifted. And I'm talking to the light team here. You know who you are. But you know what? We are entering a time now of such accelerated awakening that pretty soon the whole planet is going to be scintillating and sparkling with auras that are that have come online, so to speak, that are activated and full of life and vitality and energy, but they don't know how to use it, incorporate it, and embody it yet. So they're going to be beating a trail to you, wherever you are, because they're going to need someone to help them sort themselves out and get their footing in this new walk. And this is happening exponentially throughout the planet right now. And there doesn't seem to be, well, you know, it's kind of like a time release capsule. Because there's a timing for each soul to awaken and activate. And when that time comes, it doesn't matter where you are, who you are, what you're doing, it's going to happen. Very seldom is it strategized, meaning very seldom does it happen when you're sitting down in Padmasana with the, you know, in the chin mudra with your thumb and your forefinger joined uh, and meditating. It rarely happens then. You know, usually you're swatting flies and mosquitoes and trying to stay awake. No i remember a woman walking down broadway in new york city that's yeah, an ordinary average woman and all of a sudden she stopped in her tracks and she said i'm an intergalactic ambassador from sirius and i have a job here i have to exercise intergalactic diplomacy in the particular work that she was doing i forget what it was now but just like that she's walking down broadway and Bam! She awakens. So that's happening to more and more people. Some children are coming now, uh, in now fully awakened. They are truly the leaders and the gurus and the, I would say, the forerunners of the new earth, the golden age, not even the forerunners. They They, they are the embodiment of that new consciousness coming on the planet now. And many of them know exactly why they're on Earth and can tell you in no uncertain terms. And I tell you a great deal, uh, a great many of them are very, very proactive in addressing the dangers of climate change and the degradation of the environment. They're really into things that are very fundamental to existence on planet Earth but they can be found in in all different areas. But I, I have noticed predominantly they seem to, en masse, be marching to make people aware of the effects of global warming and the climate changes that are obvious to anyone with two eyes and a bit of attention. So anyway, just saying, why are you on Earth? Why are you on earth? So, you know, we are the authors of our own life story. That's an interesting thought, isn't it? We are the authors. We're writing. We're scripting. We're imagining and postulating and actualizing our own life story every minute, every day. And so often I'm in a situation and the spirit within me will ask, how would you like this to turn out? Interesting question. How would you like this particular situation to turn out? And we have to remember we have a choice how any situation turns out in our lives because we're the author and the scriptwriter of our stories. So it's important to realize there's no outer force affecting us. We are affected only by our thoughts. Our thoughts give all the meaning anything has for us. And it's very individual. So what's your story? You know, some of us come in... um, with tragic comedy stories, some of us come in. Uh, oh my gosh, there's so many different stories we're walking and and embodying and, and exemplifying. I think one of the things I enjoy most about planet Earth is that there there are so many different stories out there. There's every level of consciousness represented on Earth in the human species and an unlimited diversity of interpersonal worlds that people walk within. Each person has their own world that they live in that's unique to them. Isn't that amazing? You know, my brother-in-law was quite an interesting man. He was from Mars, and uh, during a diabetic coma, he spent three days on Mars and came back with full recall now he was Dr. Ray Eversole, who was the beloved minister of the Unity Church in Lakewood, Florida for many years, some years back now and uh, he came back knowing why he had come to Earth and it's because he wanted a choice to be negative, if he wanted to be (laughs) That sounds funny, but what he came from when he was on Mars, he noticed that any kind of negativity, emotional or mental, was considered an aberration of consciousness, something wrong with the consciousness, and it was immediately programmed out of that person which is really ironic that he became a unity minister, which focuses on positive thinking. (laughs) Go figure. But anyway, I thought that was interesting. Now, Venus, too, everyone is youthful. They're beautiful. They're handsome. They're healthy. They're radiant with joy and peace. They can create anything with their mind. They have unlimited creative freedom. But they don't create anything that's ugly or negative or not perfect, (laughs) if I could phrase it that way. So souls come to Earth to gain a wide variety of experiences. Soul is perfect. It's pure. It's immortal. But it lacks experience. Many many years ago when I came to uh my my mentor and spiritual teacher John Roger I asked him I said uh, why did I come uh, why did I come to earth because he told me I had come from Venus and I said well why did I come to earth and he said very simply well you were curious to see what was going on in this part of God's creation <laughs> curious to see what's going on in this part of God's creation Not too profound, huh? (laughs) He also said that God is the soul that has had all experience. So collectively we are God experiencing through our countless forms and expressions. See if you can get a hold of that for just a moment. You are God. And you are the one that is experiencing through all of these forms and expressions. They're you. They're yourself. There's nothing else. There's just the self. Just the one spirit. Just God. Imagine, you know, you're all over the world. You're in Africa. You're in India. You're in America. You're in England. You're in Russia. You're in Transylvania. You're down in uh, Australia, and Tasmania, New Zealand. You're in China. You're in the Caribbean. You're in every place on the planet. You're in Hawaii. There's no place that you're not. And look at all the things people are doing right now. Look at all the expressions, imaginatively, you know, in your, your mind's eye. Imagine that you are the one that is doing all of the doings. Good and bad and indifferent and great and awful and horrid and scary and magnificent and all of the above. That there is one life and you are it. And that, beloved, is the absolute truth. That is what you realize when you move into God consciousness. You see how that would completely obliterate any sense of envy or jealousy or hatred or dislike, attraction, aversion, even desire. You see why the God-realized are free? That's how they experience themselves. That's how Sai Baba, the great avatar, experiences himself. Everyone is his own incarnation. That's God-realization. And that's really why we are here on Earth. (laughs) To realize that and nothing else. But in the meantime, we're enjoying being in different expressions, in different forms, in different ways of experiencing life. We're curious. It's the very nature of the soul. Curiosity. And so these are big thoughts to contemplate. These are the things that are important to mull over when you're having your morning coffee, when you're having your God talk, when you're having that me time that we all need to kind of get our heads on in the morning and get into our bodies and get ready for the day. We need to contemplate the big picture, otherwise you're going to get lost in a little mud puddle. Interesting, huh? Gee, you are you. <laughs> That's the real guru. And the other thing is that we learn through mirroring. You know, what you see in another, you're magnifying in yourself. I think the funniest description that Sai Baba has given about an angry person He said an angry person is like a dog growling and snarling at himself in the mirror. (laughs) By the way, how was your week? (laughs) Whoa, what a week, huh? Well, for the most part, I did pretty well. You know, I was, uh, for the most part, I was able to stay present and pleasant and loving and kind, until last night, when I had a complete uh, dive headfirst into hell, briefly, but it was awful. It was enough to show me, (coughs) excuse me, it was enough to show me what happens when you don't stay present. And what I had done was take on too much to where I was utterly exhausted and pushing myself. And I forgot that that was the old paradigm way. <laughs> you see, if you're not on this thing, you just get sucked in before you know it. And so the, the, the contrast was so horrible that uh, it really made me think. It's like, oh my gosh, you cannot push yourself. Beyond the flow of events, I had stepped out of the present moment, you see, and was pushing and driving myself to accomplish something out of exhaustion. And when you allow your mind to run you like a slave driver, that's what happens. At some point, um, you find you're in the old paradigm up to your ears in hellfire, now, metaphorically speaking, but uh, it sure taught me that you need to stay in the present moment with enjoyment. Life is meant to be enjoyed. Enjoyment is not supposed to be deferred to when you retire, or later when you meet Mister or Missus Wright, or when you lose the next 50 pounds or whatever, you know what I'm saying? Every moment is to be enjoyed. In-joyed. That could be I-N-joyed. And when we allow life and life's pressures and events and expectations and demands that actually we place on our own head, that may come in the guise of events and peoples, but, but really, it's, you know, we're doing this to ourselves. When we allow that to happen, we find ourselves just struggling to keep up with the day and the events of the day. We're out of sync. We're out of center. We're not feeling joy or loving or any of the above. We're just driven and stressed. And it feels awful. It is a good idea, I've found with myself, to take frequent breaks. You don't have to just drive yourself to do something in one fell swoop. You could apportion it to certain periods throughout the day and enjoy the process of creating whatever it is that you're creating or doing. So I just share with that, uh, excuse me, that with you, because it was such a big, big lesson for me. So shifting into this new earth, golden age paradigm, uh, for me, the major key, uh, major key was staying in present moment awareness and not pushing myself. On my energy capacity, and also not staying up late at night. You know, there were days—not recently, but days—I was working up until 2:30 in the morning. Now that's crazy. You can't really do very good work if you're doing that. Again, you're stressed. So each time I allowed my mind to wander into the past or try to figure out what to do in the future. I notice I began to experience stress and a drop in my energy immediately when I started to reflect into the past or try to figure out what to do in the future. So unless I caught myself quickly, it would escalate into fretting. You know, when in the middle of the night you try to cope with things that aren't present I think we all know that one, don't we? (laughs) I believe this is a major cause of insomnia, trying to figure out how to handle things before their time has come. Every time I did that, my wiser inner self would say, not now, you only need to sleep now, that's all. Or, you only need to be here right now. And I'd feel an enormous release at at that simple reminder. You might want to put a three-by-five card somewhere in your environment or maybe in many places in your environment to remind yourself, you know, enjoy the moment. That's enough. Here and now, that's enough. Even if you have to make a to-do list, you do it here and now, and then you lay it aside. I have to do that to keep track of everything that I'm, I'm working with, and I think it's practical, but it gets you out of your worry mind and puts it down on paper where you can pick it up and handle it when its time has come. You know, it sounds so practical, but my gosh, we run around like ferrets in a in a cage, you know, sometimes, and... It's so needless to do that. So everything has its proper timing to be dealt with. The timing and the resources to handle any given situation arrive at the exact same time. So we are never given anything we are not already equipped to handle. Situation and solution... Arrive as one, so I felt that stress and worry manifest when I step away from honoring and enjoying the present moment. That sounds simple, doesn't it? but it's uh it's really exercising ongoing conscious awareness. It, it, it really amounts to that. Is that possible? Yes, it is. And it also requires constant reminding until it becomes your nature. It will become your nature, just like you get in the car and drive it, you don't even think about it. But when you're learning to drive, you have to remember every little detail. It's exactly like that. You begin to incorporate new behaviors that are in alignment with yourself, with your true self, your divine self. And when they are, there is love. Love is the end product of being in contact and in sync with yourself. You just feel loving. When you're out of that, you'll find that you're not feeling loving. You're feeling irritable. You're feeling and oppressed and you don't like yourself very much and the truth be spoken you don't like others either (laughs) Uh, you know you get gnarly and snappy and and snarky and none of us likes to do that and be that way because uh, we all know that we're uh, you know that's not the way to be so anyway um come to earth to gain experiences including learning how to to operate in the laws of polarity and duality which prevail in this particular uh this particular Orion governed um, system that we're living in we come through most of us at the Stargate of Orion And into the template of duality, which is this creational universe that we happen to be operating in. And the lesson very much is to learn how to walk in divine neutrality between the pairs of opposites. So we'll have lifetimes where we're really on one side, really, you know, into that particular vein. And then we'll shift and we'll be on the opposite side and we'll have lifetimes doing that. And then we switch back and forth and back and forth until we're pretty much an expert of both the path of light and the path of darkness and everything in between. And then nothing rattles your cage. You just walk in divine ease in all the worlds. And uh, then you can say you have mastered the template of duality, and then you're able to go and play in some other playground in the vastness of the unlimited creations that really are the playgrounds of the soul. So, why are you on earth? Well, I'll give you a little mosey through an idea that occurred to me, and let's see how it works with you. We're all students enrolled here in E.U., Earth University. The various masters are the teachers, each specializing in a particular subject. Everyone passes through each of the colleges and each of the classrooms under these masters. That's because we have studied with all of them. And we are well known to every one of the master teachers. Just have tea with us for a moment. All of the masters are aware of you. They are your friends. They are your mentors. Every one of them knows everything about you and loves you. The one that is supervising overall the educational curriculum on this planet is known as the world teacher. The present world teacher was the very first graduate of EU way back in Atlantean times. And he is variously known as the Christ and the Lord Maitreya. And he's known by other names in other world cultures as well. The next world teacher, 2,500 years from now, will be the Master K.H. or Kuthumi Lal Singh. Many of you have, uh, are very fond of him. He's a, a major teacher for most of us. So you see, there is an ever spiraling upward progression of all souls. Beautiful, don't you think? We're all connected. We're all family. We're all going through the lessons that we have contracted to major in. We're all in various degrees of mastering whatever subject it is we have chosen to focus upon. We are always a student, at the level of our learning. We are always a server and a teacher to the ones coming up behind us. We are always reaching up to the one that is ahead of us. And here and now, we are the server. And that is an eternal position for us, every one of us. In the esoteric teachings, it's called the chain of hierarchy. And we are all members of the spiritual hierarchy. The word hierarch means sacred arc. Sacred arc. Sacred bridge. Sacred arch. It is that which connects that which is higher and bridges down to every kingdom in nature with the purpose of lifting it and transforming it into divine conscious awareness. And that's why we are here. All of us, we're part of that. You've always been part of it. Who knows what position you are right now training to occupy in the greater omniverse to which we are all ascending. Maybe in your future, you will be the world teacher. Think about it. These are big thoughts. Get you out of the little mud puddle of personal entrapment. Oh, here's another question. As a student in EU, what have you chosen as your major? Your minor? You know, using EU as a metaphor for your life. You know, overall, what has been your major lesson or area of focus? What has been your secondary or minor? Well, when I went to Denver University, I majored in theater and minored in music. But what I really wanted to be was a metaphysical psychotherapist. But back when I went to DU, <laughs> in EU, there wasn't any such thing. So I thought of becoming a psychology major. But then when I looked at the people that were psych majors, I thought, you know what? <laughs> I think I'll go into acting. That way I'll really understand human nature and uh, it'll end up with me understanding people psychologically much better. So that's why I chose to major in uh, theater or dramatic arts. So what has been the greatest challenge for you to deal with? I think for me, the greatest challenge I had to deal with was the feeling of... uh, Never quite being enough, as I was, you know, just presenting myself that it wasn't quite enough, and that I had to do something to earn the love of God, bottom line, took me a long time to realize that I am enough. And that God's love is not based on performance, but on identity. And I am created and indwelt by that one God. And love just because God loves all of its creation, and God is love. I think a lot of us have that lonely feeling of being abandoned and not quite matching up to what we feel God or the world or our loved ones expect of us. And I think for a large number of people, that's our greatest challenge, to realize that we are enough just because we exist And because of who and what we are as one with God, we don't have to add anything onto that. Our worth has already been established by God, by relationship with God, by the fact that we are an emanation of God. So you just might want to have some tea with that thought. What has been the greatest challenge for me to deal with in this life? Why do I not feel I'm enough? Another question. What challenge or lesson keeps showing up in your life over and over? Well, for me, it was opportunities to experience not being enough. Not feeling wanted. Feeling like I had to be better. It showed up a lot in my relationship with Sai Baba. My, what would you call it? My idealized version of God, I guess it's to be the most accurate way to describe my relationship with Sai Baba. The minute I saw him I felt like I had come out of him like a ray of light comes out of the sun. A very, very distinct feeling that I had emanated out of him. Of course now I understand it as relating to Mahavishnu which I probably did, indeed, emanate out of as a ray of light. But that was my visceral and direct experience the moment I saw him. I came out of him. And I never felt like I could be the ideal devotee. I was always doing something that wasn't quite (laughs) (laughs) devotee-like. You know what I mean? Didn't quite match up. Couldn't quite be that, you know, devotee. And one day he symbolically kicked my butt. <laughs> he told me to stop it. That he made me exactly as I am with the faults I have so that I'd have something to occupy my time in my spare time and whittle down the ego. And I've heard him say that to other devotees that he gives us even the faults we have So we have something to work on in our spare time, and it whittles down that ego, that self-importance that we get. We get all vainglorious when we think we're doing really well. Usually when we think we're doing really well, we're in our ego. (laughs) And also when you think you're doing really rotten, you're in your ego. And when you are really doing well, you're not thinking about yourself, (laughs) You get the subtlety there? You're not self-focused when you're doing well. What are you focused on? Here and now, doing your dharma, doing your your thing that you're supposed to be doing. (laughs) Good talk, huh? I mean, you know, we just have to sometimes just lay it out there and, and look at what it is as it is. And uh have a good laugh, because we're all, you know, doing the same dance. <laughs> Just slightly different styles, but basically it's the same dance. <clears throat> so our dreams will give us symbolic clues. One of the dreams I had a lot when I was coming up into... Uh, understanding and realizing my true self i had a lot of dream of shoes now shoes represent our understanding the understanding we have acquired and my shoes were either too big too little or i would lose them which meant that i i hadn't quite grasped the firm understanding of what i was uh, working with at the time another thing i kept losing my purse what is a purse Purse represents where you keep your identification cards, right? You have your driver's license, you have your ID ID card or whatever. Your identity is in your purse. I kept losing my purse. I kept losing my sense of who and what I was because I was so busy trying to please everybody so they would like me and and, and, and approve of me and want me and, you know, all that stuff that we do when we don't know who we are. Another thing, I, uh, I would dream of houses, and the floors in the house, the floor in the house represents your foundation, the walls and the pillars represent, you know, what you are using to, you know, to prop up your understanding, and of course the roof is your understanding, and so the condition of each of those levels tells you something about your house, which represents your consciousness, Bedrooms represent where you are positioned or rest in your consciousness. Bathrooms represent purification and cleansing, as do water and fire. And I would have plenty of these symbols in my dreams in the early years when I was working to integrate the soul more fully with the physical personality. So I think, if the truth be known, the thing that we're the most interested in, in the whole world, is ourself. And we should be. If the goal is self-realization, then we should be interested in finding out who we are and why we're here. You know, I think... By example, every one of us is in some manner attempting to define their identity. You know, DNA kits are very popular right now. Online personality quizzes are very popular. And we're all trying to sort ourselves out. But to know God, you have to know the self. Because the self that you are, God, and the true guru are one and the same they're identical they're not different god self guru one and the same or you could say inner master same thing or holy spirit same thing so often people will start with um their genetics or genealogy we have all of these things now where we can uh trace our ancestry, our bloodlines, you know, the cultures we've been connected to. Or others will go into their birth sign and astrological charts. Some may try past life regression or consult psychics or numerologists or palm readers or someone with an attempt uh, to, to try to decode the mystery of their own existence. By the way, if you want to attract in a nanosecond... <laughs> A whole group of people around you, the next time you're in a restaurant, take your companion's hand and begin to point out things on their palm. I guarantee you, within a few minutes, you're going to have other people come up to the table and say, could you look at my palm? <laughs> I've done this. It's so funny. You'll be the most popular person in the restaurant. <laughs> Everyone wants to know about themselves, right? <laughs> you know, in India, there are, um, there are readers that can read the moles on your face. I remember one pointed to a whole bunch of uh, little freckles, little kind of like brown spots under my right eye, and said, oh, this means you'll have self-realization in this lifetime. <laughs> I thought that was really good. I like that. But they can read the moles, the wrinkles, the markings on your feet, your hands, your face. Uh, I remember when we were in, um, gosh, where were we? The Isle of Wight, the southern tip of uh, off of um, uh, UK, England, the British Isles. Uh, we went to this Scottish woman who put our feet in a big bowl of loose stones and then when we would retract our feet she would read the the uh, stones on the bottom of your feet she was a scottish mystic and i remember she read my feet and she said oh you're an ancient traveler one who has walked the deserts in countless ages in search of the divine and, uh, it was pretty true, pretty accurate. But just saying, you know, there's all sorts of ways to divine the future, one's consciousness, one's essence, one's identity. And it's a beautiful thing. If you're a gifted person who can see and read for other people, oh, what a blessing. What a gift. Are you to do it? Yes. Every gift we have is not for ourselves. It's to help people sort themselves out. It's to help them come nearer and dearer to, to the love that they are. It's to help them feel that connection that you and I feel when we're connected with the love that we are, with God, with nature, with the universe. Nothing feels better than that. We crave it. We seek it. We long for it. And we are it. We just lose sight of it. So God bless you and me and every one of us that do readings, that can look into the nature of another fellow human being and help them sort themselves out. God bless you. God bless you. Use your gifts. Use your gifts. And you know what? They're going to beat a path to your doorway now because more and more people are waking up. And this is what they need. This is what they need. They need someone that can give them the next step, that can shine some light upon their path. And you and I and other light workers, we're it. We're it. So we consult all kinds of people, gurus, shamans, diviners, mediums, you know, to find out who we are. And when you come to think of it, isn't it rather odd to ask another person to tell you who you are? yeah. But you see here in the template of duality, that's the way it works. You go to someone else to ordain you into a ministry. You go to someone else to validate what you already know in your heart to be so. You go to someone else who is at the level you perhaps are moving into to verify for you what's happening in your life. It's important. That's what we do in ministering to each other. And so an Advaitin, which is a person who teaches non-duality like Ramana Maharshi and others and avatars, they just cut to the chase and tell you point-blank that you are divine. You yourself are God. You are an emanation of the Supreme Spirit, the one Supreme Spirit. They all say the same thing. So it can save a lot of time if it's in your, your divine destiny to simply go to one who is self-realized. For only one who has realized their true divine self can recognize that in you. And the way the divine flow arranges it is that when, you know, the old saying, when you are ready, the master appears. When you are ready, that book is laid in your hands. When you are ready, that next way-shower that will show you where you have to go next will appear. So the recognition is both validating and encouraging, but at the same time, the realization must be direct and personal through your own effort of self-inquiry. In Sanskrit, that's called vicharana, Vicharana self inquiry. It's like um boring for for oil. Well, not. I don't like that um uh, analogy, but that's what comes to mind. It's like drilling for oil. You have to keep drilling and drilling and going deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper, pardon the analogy, it's kind of messy. But you catch my drift. You you keep going deeper. What's what's behind that thought I just thought? and behind that, and behind that, and what is it that I'm truly trying to reach to? You know, you keep going to the underlying motive and impetus that keeps teasing you, but, you know, unless you really get into it and keep drilling in deeper and deeper and deeper, you'll just live a surface life. You have to dive deep, pardon me, analogy if you want to get the pearls. It's just so true. You have to put in the earnestness, I would say, the earnest effort to know the self, which in knowing the self, you will know God and everything else. And the most important thing is that you will step free of your own self-condemnation, judgment, all of the things that we accuse ourselves of, the blame and the shame and the guilt and the, the horrible past that we drag along like a dead fish, you know, you can let all of that go and have a perfectly peaceful, beautiful, uncluttered life a serene mind, a joyful heart. And all of that energy that went into all of that other stuff you will find gives you boundless energy. So interesting watching someone operate that is an ever-filling, an ever-refilling fount of divine energy like um, Braco, the Croatian gazer. You know, he gazes for thousands and thousands and thousands of people every single day. And he never feels any strain, any effort. He doesn't get tired. Interesting. Same with Sai Baba. Same with Amaji. The last time I went to see Amaji, the hugging thing, My, my ticket for a hug was 635, I think. She sits there sometimes all day and all night until everyone is hugged. Now, not everyone has that gift. You know, not everyone has that dharma. But the gift and the equipping and anointing to exercise that gift come at the same time. So don't get down on your case if that's not your particular energy flow. Some of us have very delicate energy. We're barely maybe able to handle a handful of people. It's different with every single person. So, beloveds, always win in your story. Always be the hero and heroine in your own story. Because you are the scriptwriter, So how would you like the story to end? You're the one with the pen in your hand. And what is the pen? Metaphorically speaking, it is your thoughts and your intention. So make it beautiful. If you want. You know, you can write a horror story, or a tragic story, or whatever, it's still going to be wonderful because it's your story. But to enjoy it, you might want to lighten it up just a tad so you can savor the sweetness of your own existence. And that's when it's really wonderful when you can roll in your essence, Like a cat rolls in catnip. Then you've got it. When your own presence is your favorite company to hang out with. When you so enjoy being with yourself. Oh, no company is better. And I like Sai Baba's way of phrasing it. He said, when I'm with women, I'm a woman. When I am with children, I'm a child. But when I'm alone, I am God. And so are we. (laughs) So I hope this has been helpful. Needless to say, or maybe it is very important to say, that Ashtar and I love each one of you with all of our hearts. And we're so proud of you. You're, you know, you're just pulling this whole collective consciousness through into the new paradigm and up into the new earth frequency and the golden age. And we just bless you with all that is within us, along with all of the members of the Ashtar Galactic Command. We are your brothers and sisters, and our eyes and our protection and our love are always with you and upon you. So let's go out chanting on I Hue. Deep breath. An-i-hugh. and grace to each one of you and to every man, woman, and child, to all sentient beings. May you be healthy. May you be happy. May you be peaceful. May you feel the love of God within you as you. Namaste.